Good day. I'm Martin Webb, and welcome to the Climate Report for Thursday, June 9th, 2022. The Climate Report broadcasts and podcasts on KVMR-FM and at kvmr.org every second and fourth Thursday at 6.30 p.m. Today's Climate Report covers the not-so-subtle impacts of a hotter world on our sleep patterns, plus electric trucks hitting the roads of California. We end with an extended interview with the unique local nonprofit Good Sun, who recently donated a solar system to the South Yuba River Citizens League. And they are an outfit that specializes in reclaiming older solar panels that still have life, as well as brand new solar panels rejected from manufacturers due to scratching or blemishes. All Climate Report shows are archived at KVMR's podcast page for re-listening and sharing. If you have questions, comments, or suggestions, feel free to email climatereport at kvmr.org. We start off with this. Rising temperatures driven by the climate crisis are cutting the sleep of people across the world, the largest study to date has found. Good sleep is critical to health and well-being, but global heating is increasing nighttime temperatures even faster than daytime temperatures, making it harder to sleep. The analysis revealed that the average global citizen is already losing 44 hours of sleep a year. That's equal to skipping six complete nights of sleep a year at seven hours, a standard benchmark of sufficient sleep. Lost sleep will increase further as the planet continues to heat, but it affects some groups much more than others. For example, the sleep loss per degree of warming is about 25% higher for women than men. It's about twice as high for those over 65 years old and three times higher for those living in less affluent nations. The researchers used data from sleep tracking wristbands used by 47,000 people in 68 different countries over 7 million nights. Previous studies have shown that Rising temperatures damage health, including increased heart attacks, suicides, and mental health crises, as well as accidents and injuries, and reducing the ability to work. Meanwhile, poor sleep has also been shown to have these same effects of heat. And the researchers said their study suggests that disturbed sleep may be a key mechanism by which heat causes these same health impacts. Worryingly, the researchers said their data showed no signs of people being able to adapt to hotter nights. In some exciting good news, electric heavy-duty freight trucks are finally hitting the roads in California and beyond. Battery-powered big rigs are finally moving from tests to real-world rollouts for shorter routes. Study after study, indicates that electric trucks are hitting cost and range targets that put them in the running to handle a rising share of U.S. freight-moving needs, at least for freight that doesn't need to be moved more than a few hundred miles per day. Last month's Advanced Clean Transportation Expo gave freight companies a chance to showcase how they're testing these EV truck capabilities in the real world. Over the course of the four-day event held in Long Beach, Companies unveiled several big orders for all-electric Class 8 semis, the heaviest of the heavy-duty trucks found on U.S. roads. 
For example, nationwide logistics company NFI Industries announced that it has now ordered a total of 100 electric trucks, building on its commitment last year to its logistics hub in Ontario, California. Quality Custom Distribution, known as QCD, also has ordered 44 electric vehicle semis destined for daily resupply routes from its distribution centers in La Puente and Fontana, California. Along with the new electric truck semi orders came new commitments for the high-voltage fast-charging stations needed to keep them running. QCD announced a $20 million project at its La Puente site, featuring 16 EV truck chargers and a solar, battery, and generator-powered microgrid. Penske Truck and Shell North America unveiled plans to deploy chargers at 33 sites across America, 23 of them in California alone. And Watt EV, a startup that's planning an electric truck-as-a-service business, Centered around solar and battery-powered charging hubs across Southern and Central California, announced plans for a charging plaza to be built in partnership with the Port of Long Beach, one of the country's busiest freight hubs. This new electric truck charging depot will feature charging bays to serve the 50 Volvo electric trucks that Watt EV has already received in March. The charging bays will also be available to serve electric trucks from other fleets, as part of the Port of Long Beach's push to reach a zero-emissions fleet by the year 2030. Now, while today today's electric heavy trucks still lack the range for routes longer than a few hundred miles, that isn't going to be an issue for most of the freight routes in America. And Watt EV's Pony Express-like model is one way to push these range limitations, they will allow a driver and their cargo to move from a truck with a depleted battery immediately to another truck that's been charging for hours. But places like QCD won't even need that option because its last-stage deliveries for companies like Starbucks, Chick-fil-A, and Chipotle restaurants happen to fit exactly within the roughly 150-mile ranges available from first-generation electric trucks, at least in its Southern California locations. QCD's trucks also only make deliveries at night, giving them all day to recharge. At the same time, electric trucks promise significantly lower maintenance costs and downtimes compared to internal combustion engines, and significantly lower cost to fuel with electricity compared to diesel. That's a delta that's widening with recent diesel price increases. Well, last fall, the North American Council for Freight Efficiency partnered with a nonprofit research group and a host of truck manufacturers and fleet operators to test whether a variety of electric truck models could reliably complete shorter haul routes. The results indicate that electric trucks could easily meet about half of North America's current road freight hauling needs. Heavy-duty fossil fuel trucks right now serve quite a lot of short delivery routes. For example, beverage companies Pepsi and Anheuser-Busch have somewhere around 90% of their delivery trucks operating less than 100 miles per day. Meanwhile, those heavy-duty fossil fuel trucks are also responsible for about 70% of carbon emissions from the U.S. medium and heavy-duty transportation sector.
corporate sustainability and emissions reduction goals from companies including Amazon, Coca-Cola, Home Depot, Nestle, Pepsi, Cisco, Target, Verizon, and Walmart are also playing an important part in pushing electric trucks onto roads in California. Nearly 250 companies surveyed that operated early adopter fleets found that 57% of them have already bought electric trucks and two-thirds of them plan to order more of them in the next year. Next, we'd like to highlight the work of local nonprofit Good Sun Solar. Here in Nevada County, we're early adopters of solar energy panels, and they've been installed here at higher rates than normal for going on 20 years. This also means that we have some early technologies that are being replaced in order to keep those out of the landfill and make use of the power that they still have in them. Good Sun specializes in turning old into new. We feature a little interview also with South Yuba River Citizens League, one of the most recent benefactors of a donated system from Good Sun. Stay tuned, we have now an extended interview with Good Sun Solar. This is KVMR's Martin Webb, host of the twice-monthly Climate Report. I'm here with Vince Lucia, the executive director of Good Sun, a nonprofit located here in Grass Valley. Now, Vince, you and I have known each other as solar industry professionals for decades. And um, I first met you about 15, 20 years ago when you were in the manufacturing side of the solar industry, when Grass Valley was more of an industry epicenter, which led to high rates of solar adoption here in our area. I've watched your careers now. You've worked through local solar installers, operations. Tell me about what Good Sun is and what exactly you all are doing that is so unique. Well, thank you, Martin. Good Sun is a local nonprofit. We are a 501c3. And um, really what we're trying to do is create opportunities for the underserved communities so that they can have PV, solar electric power. Started with projects in Africa several years ago with our co-founder Eric Stikes and a few other volunteers. And then it morphed into about four local schools providing solar for schools at no charge and being able to create uh, an educational lab, if you will. And then we've morphed into uh, serving Habitat for Humanity locally. We're um, providing solar to those homes. Um, and most recently, the Circle Project, uh, which is a 30-kilowatt system that we donated. And um, also in the past, we worked um, with Hospitality House and created a, a PV system for their homeless shelter. And so Upon doing all this, we've been, able to, we've been able to create a partnership with California Solar Electric as kind of the installer. And so they do a lot of this work um, to complement our good work. And really, um, we survive on product donations and being able to have kind of like a solar restore here as well that enables us to buy and purchase products for our projects. Um, and by encompassing all of these things that we do, um, we're creating an atmosphere where the solar panels are not being dumped in the landfill as they get close to their end of life. Now, that's, for me, one of the most unique things about the work that, that Good Sun is now doing. People are aware that solar panels eventually have an, an end of life. 
But most people aren't aware that they can continue to produce electricity for decades and decades. Lifespans are actually unknown. Um, but there is a point at which economically it's become worth it now for early adopters to replace older technology. And what's amazing, I feel, about the work that you all are doing are you are keeping solar panels that have been used in many cases but still have a life out of the landfill and repurposing those in donation or low-cost scenarios. But tell me a little bit about your partnership now with manufacturers because GoodSun, as you mentioned, is not just able to repurpose used solar panels that still have life in them for low-cost or, or no-cost, but now you're actually working with manufacturers on relatively brand new technologies and panels that may have just been used as a test bed out in a field for a manufacturer. They can't sell them for brand new or they might have frames that are scuffed or scratched. The manufacturers, are, are they beginning to see you as a source for repurposing also newer solar panels that may not be able to be sold on the market? Yes, that's absolutely true. In fact, I just had a call this morning with a pretty large manufacturer that found us on a website uh, through search and they wanted to partner with us because they like the work that we do and, you know, they want to be able to donate to our cause and um, find a project together and where, where they have people that can actually do the installation work. Um, and so we have a couple other manufacturers that have donated um, nearly brand new product to us. In fact, I just received two pallets a week ago that were brand new. They just said, hey, do you want these? They just got scratched a little bit by the forklift. We can't sell them as new. And I said, yep, send them over. So it's really changing a lot about how we receive product now. So as opposed to initially, I remember hearing about Good Sun being focused on, as you touched on, donation systems to low-income scenarios or nonprofits that are on a budget. You're right across the street from Hospitality House, local homeless shelter has a donated system from you. You mentioned Circle, South Uber River Citizens League, several schools. But now you're actually able to sell panels directly to the public, any amount, any quantity, and you have a website where folks can now just check the inventory, see what you have, call you up and come get panels that are either used or new for relatively cheap, but no warranty. Is that correct? That is correct. But, you know, like we say to anybody, if something doesn't work, bring it back, we'll replace it. So with the, the different technologies, um, what, what are you seeing as far as the main use for older panels that still have end of life versus these newer panels? I imagine that you've got off-gridders, RVers, do-it-yourselfers. Um, should anyone explore what you have as far as a new, old, brand new technology? You know, it seems like you have a wide swath of technology now that is passing through your small Grass Valley shop here. Yeah, that's correct. Um, the thing of it is with a lot of the panels that we get, um, even if they're close to 17, 18, year olds, 18 years old, they're still producing 75 to 80% of their rated output. And that's fantastic. The thing of it is with today's panel technology, a panel that's nearly physically the same size as a panel that's 17 years old has two to three times the amount of wattage. And so when people say, hey, I have this solar system, but I'm using more power. What do I do? Do I add more panels? Well, they may not have room on their roof. And so 
whether it's residential or commercial systems, commercial systems needing to re-roof every X amount of years with a vinyl roof, these systems are coming to us now. And the people, the audience that we find coming to us are people that could not afford solar. Um, even if they're just doing a small offset, you know, an off-grid little system, um, they, they could not afford to have somebody come out and install solar for them. So there's a lot of DIYers and mostly lots of fire victims, which we all know has been a huge uh, disrupt in our local region. Um, yeah. And when it comes to selling and reselling and repurposing solar panels that aren't otherwise new and covered under warranty, what sort of assurance does the public have that these used panels you're selling are working properly? Well, we do a pretty extensive batch test. Um, we don't test every panel, but we get a pretty good idea of where they're at. And we know a lot of the manufacturers, at least myself, because I was in manufacturing. I know the good from the, you know, the good, bad and the ugly. Right. And, and so um, a lot of the panels that, that come or presented to us, I might say, actually, you know, we can't accept those because of this or that. Um, or there's a, a claim out against them or something like that. So we assure people if they don't work, um, they bring them back and, you know, we replace it with something suitable. Uh, we've had very minimal issues with that. Um, but we do always advise people to contact an electrician, not to try to do this themselves a lot of times because it is dangerous. And, um, you know, we give them as much information as possible to be safe. When it comes to donating existing equipment and older equipment, do you help people capture tax deductions and any benefits from these donations for older systems? Yeah, so a lot of, um, you know, whether it's residentials or commercial businesses that are looking to either re-roof or replace their solar system with a new one, you know, the contractor that would say, well, you know, we could remove these and, you know, donate them, you could get a, a charitable contribution receipt to this 501c3 nonprofit that we know of. And it really makes a compelling argument for people to feel they do the right thing. In fact, I've had clients call and say, hey, can you let us know where you might use our panels or, or where they went to? And, you know, and I created a, a real story. There was actually a fire victim that came and, you know, they were relatively new panels and they they took them and, um, you know, set them up at their house and provided some pictures. So it's it's kind of a nice story for people to see what they're doing and how it impacts everybody. Fantastic. Well, I'm talking with Vince Lucia, the executive director of Good Sun, a unique nonprofit here in Grass Valley that is specializing on the underserved market for solar electricity, as well as bridging that gap between end of life with solar panels and keeping them out of landfills. Let's talk a little bit about your latest project. That's the South Yuba River Citizens League donation. And as you mentioned, you partner with um, local contractors. California Solar Electric Company is your main partner where they donate the labor. Good Sun's responsible for donating solar panels that for groups like Circle, these aren't the old technology that's used. This is more of the newer technology donated straight from manufacturers. Is that correct? That is correct. And, um, you know, one thing we tell not only our, our project partners, but people that come to buy panels, if they're thinking of installing them back on the roof, they have to be of a certain age and a certain fire class rating. And so in the case of the Circle Project, these panels were nearly all brand new. They were just blemished, scratched, you know, on the sides, um, you know, missing some paint. 
Um, and so th when we receive donations like that, we try to find the, the perfect project for them. And this just seemed to be a, a good blend, knowing that they recently purchased that building and it made sense for them to have a good offset because they do so much for our community and our watershed. And to um, partner with a local contractor like California Solar Electric that's willing to, to do the installation is just a perfect blend uh, of community work. Now, we've talked about several different um, offers for the community with, with the work that you do. One is you can accept older technology and help people get a tax benefit for that towards a purchase of newer technology. You will sell solar panels one at a time or in groups or dozens to individuals or whoever wants to buy them. But this facet of your work where you're donating systems to needy nonprofits, for those people that have an organization that they feel could benefit from your work, Clarify it for us, you're donating as much as you can from what you get, which might be racks, solar panels, labor from contractors, but there always does tend to be some expense for the one part of solar systems that people aren't really that familiar with called the inverters, and that turns the solar electricity off the roof into utility type electricity. So before folks start beating down your door, assuming that it's a completely free proposition, do people need to know that there might be some costs they need to incur and can you help them with fundraising? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, yes, there can be some costs incurred and yes, we can work together in a fundraising campaign. Um, I like to look at our nonprofit as the nonprofit to help other nonprofits. That's kind of become our focus. We like to do the schools. We'd like to continue to do that. But currently, we seem to be the nonprofit helping other nonprofits. As I mentioned earlier, we work with Habitat for Humanity. We just expanded that into the Sacramento region where we're providing solar for 20 homes this year. And actually, there is no cost to Habitat at all except for the installation part, which is what they manage anyway. So it's really, really uh, fun to kind of identify the projects once somebody comes forward to you and says, hey, we have all this material. What do you think you could do for it? And it's like, hey, give me a few weeks. I'm going to figure this out. So this is kind of where, our, where we're moving towards right now. And for the, the South Hubert River Citizens League, describe a little bit about the size of the system and their before and after utility bills. Yeah, um, the size of the system is 30 kilowatts. And, and I recall um, this was probably nine months ago when we assessed their utility bills. Um, that was really close to a complete offset. So, so probably in the 90 percentile range of not having a bill with the utility company. And so, you know, with nonprofits, especially after COVID, you know, every little bit of money that you could save, if you're not sending $1,000 out a month to pay your utilities, you could use that to whatever it is, you know, hire a, another admin person to, to do some part-time work or, you know, have a fun project in the Yuba River cleanup, maybe a, you know, a Yuba River cleanup party, you know, like they do, whatever it is, whatever the nonprofit is, um, it works out. And especially for Habitat for Humanity, it's helped them out greatly. So with Circle, is that $1,000 a month is, is roughly what that system might be saving them? 
I believe so. Um, I don't have that information in front of me right now, so don't quote me on that, but I know it was pretty substantial, the amount of utility. So even if there was some sort of, um, you know, cooperative cost that, that a nonprofit had to put in, if they're paying $1,000 a month to PG&E, even if they had to spend $12,000 to cover some of the extra costs, that would pay for itself in one year. Is that, that the correct basic math? Exactly, exactly. So how do people get in touch with Good Sun? Um, it sounds like you can welcome people that have solar systems that are older that they want to donate. You could welcome nonprofits that might be interested in working with you. You could welcome individuals that are coming to just buy your solar panels, relatively new, used. Um, what's the best way to get in touch with you? And what's the website where you keep your inventory all always updated? Yeah, thank you. Well, I would say the best way to get in touch with us is going to our website first and taking a little peek about what we've done in the past. Um, give us a call, shoot us an email. Um, that always works. And um, as far as, you know, if you're interested in donating, there's a donation button, of course, on the homepage, whether it's monetary or materials. And then um, there is a, a, a portion under the products menu that shows our live inventory. So you can take a look at that. And if there's something there that you see that you like, call us up. We'll make an appointment with you and get you taken care of. So what's that website and what's that phone number? www.goodsun.life is the website. I'm speaking with uh, Vince Lucia, the executive director of Good Sun. You can get a hold of them through goodsun.life. Their offices here are in Grass Valley. And what's the phone number? 302-GOOD-SUN, S-U-N. 302-GOOD-SUN. Thanks so much and uh, congratulations on the work that you're doing and working with Circle. Thank you, Martin. Appreciate it. This is KVMR's Martin Webb, host of The Climate Report. I'm here with Daniel Elkin, Communications and Engagement Director for the South Yuba River Citizens League, commonly known as CIRCLE. And we're curious about their recent donated solar system. They didn't donate it. It was donated to them. Daniel, you were saying that you have been renting for the longest time recently purchased the building, and that is really what tipped Circle over into going solar. This was, though, a complete, generous, donated gift. Yeah, it's an in-kind donation from uh, Cal Solar and Good Sun. Now, Good Sun is the ones responsible for the equipment. Um, California Solar, local contractors for the labor. But you had also mentioned that there were some costs incurred, not for the solar, but to prepare for the installation. Yeah, we had to work on the roof to get it set, uh, get it prepared for the installation. And so that cost us a small amount of money. But for the amount of savings that we're going to get from the solar, that should offset that. So most people, when they re-roof, don't get a free solar system along with the re-roof. That's correct. Now, how does this act of going solar for an environmental organization make you feel and the staff feel? What's the value to Circle for doing this? Well, as you know, climate change is one of the existential threats of our uh, time. And so anything that we can do to reduce our carbon footprint is fully within the ethos of Circle. And so going solar is certainly going to help us reduce our dependency on fossil fuels uh, for our electricity needs. 
Now, there is an upcoming celebration that the public is invited to for sort of a solar grand opening. Is that correct? That is. We're calling it Watts for the Watershed. It'll be on June 21st from 4 to 6 here at Circle's office out in the parking lot. And Circle's office is located at 313 Railroad Avenue here in Nevada City. Thank you so much. That's Daniel Elkin, Communications and Engagement Director with the South Yuba River Citizens League Circle. That's all for today's Climate Report. Broadcasting and podcasting here on KVMR-FM and at kvmr.org every second and fourth Thursday at 6.30 p.m. I'm Martin Webb. For daily news headlines in between broadcasts, including heaps of good news and tips, there is a Climate Report social media page. For questions or comments, feel free to email climatereport at kvmr.org. 